Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, broadband talk radio. I am your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank everyone for uh, being in our audience today. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day. Uh, just a brief reminder, you can join us live in the chat room, uh, which is uh, on the Blog Talk Radio uh, page for the show. And In fact, we already have a couple of guests in the chat room. Today, uh, we're going to talk about how your great broadband idea can be worth a hundred grand and a whole lot more. So um, with us today is Scott Mize. Uh, Scott has nearly 20 years of experience um, in the information technology, new media, and Internet industries, and nearly 10 in the nanotechnology field. Now, he's currently uh, providing business and venture development services for both early-stage technology companies as well as established corporations. And specifically within the broadband space, um, Scott is working and collaborating with Think Big Partners in Kansas City, which is a uh, very uh, active group that's working to harness the creativity and talent uh, in the Kansas cities, Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, to maximize the impact of their Google Gigabit project. And I understand that the Gigabit Challenge is Scott's brainchild, so I'm going to turn it over to Scott and say welcome to the show, uh, and thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. And uh, let's jump right in. Tell us about this Gigabit Challenge. What's what's going on with this? What's it, what is this all about? Well, to set the context, uh, for those who don't already know, Google uh, had a competition, a nationwide competition, uh, for the first city to get the the first in the nation one gigabit uh, ultra high speed broadband to the home and to businesses, and uh, Kansas City won it. And so uh, starting Q1 of 2012, uh, Google will start deploying one gigabit, uh, you know, to the end, uh, you know, last mile, and to the home and to businesses. And, you know, the obvious question for Think Big Partners, which is an incubator of early-stage companies, was, you know, what are going to be the applications that really drive the utilization, you know, of this uh, very high bandwidth uh, fiber? And so for us, the obvious way to do that was a business plan competition. And so we uh, decided to, uh, you know, basically in the course of about a 24-hour period of time, the, the idea was proposed, and then we were um, committed to do it and then made an announcement that we were opening the Gigabit Challenge. That was back in August. And since then, things have been moving very, very quickly. We've got a number of entries that look fantastic. Um, that you know are applications that use uh, that are uniquely enabled, if you will, uh, by the one gigabit uh, fiber broadband. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other kind of uh, important detail is that the um, the deadline for entries into the gigabit challenge is scheduled for October 31st, and all you need to submit is a three to five page executive summary. And, uh, you know, based upon the quality executive summary, we'll choose a, a group of finalists that would then provide a what we're calling a mini business plan, about 10-page long business plan. Uh, and uh, those people will also be invited to come to the awards event and Pitch Fest, uh, which will be happening in mid-January in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So you said October 30, 31st is the deadline for this first phase, right? Correct. And so okay. uh, if anyone wants the details, they should go to gigabitchallenge.com. Okay. Interesting. So now 
um, you guys have moved pretty quickly on um, getting this off the ground. Uh, having never been involved with a business plan contest, how complex of a venture is this to, to put together and organize so it comes off well? Well, there's a lot of work involved. There's no ways about no no two ways about it. I think we're going to end up having something on the order of 20 or 30 judges, maybe a few more. Okay. And uh, I think Big Partners is taking responsibility uh, for kind of managing the judging process. Uh, we're utilizing some really great software for, uh, from the Kauffman Foundation called iStart, uh, which is a software-as-a-service application that allows you to manage business plan competitions. And so having Kauffman Foundation right there in Kansas City uh, and having this tool available right off the bat was, was a huge help and will we'll really streamline the process. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts. There's not only judging the, comp, the, the business plans, uh, you know, there's also bringing partners to the table, you know, putting together prize packages of various types, um, and we're, we're right in the throes of doing that right now. Mm-hmm. And, and how's been the interest for this so far? It, it's been overwhelming. We, we've gotten global response, uh, you know, to, to the website. As I said, we've got several entries. Uh, we, we're not, we don't announce the number of entries, but it's a good, healthy number now. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone that we talk to uh, about being a partner or attending or making an entry uh, gets very excited about it. We even, you know, have a couple of people that are sort of industry legends um, that have submitted or will be submitting uh, an executive summary because they really see, you know, this one gigabit broadband as sort of the next generation of the internet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Web 3.0 means a lot of things to, to a lot of people, but certainly one of the integral parts of Web 3.0 are things like, uh, you know, one gigabit uh, broadband speeds and, and higher eventually. But, you know, that's sort of the, uh, the minimum ante, you know, for some of these Web 3.0 applications that people are envisioning for uh, the not-too-distant future. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I assume that anyone can participate, including companies, groups of friends, or even a community, I would assume, could come up with a plan. Yeah, uh, there is uh, – I don't know what I'm you know, allowed to divulge or not, so I'll be conservative, but there is okay. a small community um, that is not too far from Kansas City um, that you know, it is, is tiny. You know, we're talking like literally you know, 10,000, 20,000 people. Uh, but you know they want to be dealt into um, you know the uh, the flattened world you know if 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 you know the Tom Friedman book uh-huh. and you know they see the one gigabit internet as a unique opportunity to um, give the people that live there the ability to have valuable skills that uh, are are in demand you know in this Web 3.0 world and you know in, in the world today we don't even have to think that far ahead just in demand as of today. And, and this is essentially for them a way to preserve the quality of life in their city. And so the community, you know, will band together uh, to come up with some ideas for things that they think would be helpful. Uh, and a lot of people who are interested in, you know, training people for the jobs of the future that are enabled by the Internet and, and, and in its next generations and also enabled by, are just part of the internet. You, know, you can either be interested in something that's, you know, let me build a tool, you know, for the internet itself. But then there's a whole range of services and whatnot that are enabled on top of that. And so you can train for, you know, for either layer. But you know, if you do, if you have a workforce that's 
uh, talented in those areas, skilled in those areas, that's a way to deal yourself into, you know, the ever-flattening world that Tom Friedman talks about. Mm -hmm. That will be uh, very interesting because, you know, I should have thought about this sooner, but uh, I was thinking this morning I realized that if um, communities and collaborations and so forth can get into the uh, into the contest with an entry, um, not only do they open an opportunity for themselves specific to the the contest, right? Assuming you know if they were to happen to win, but also what we found with the Google process in general, when Google first announced the Gigabit um, network um, process, there were lots of com- uh, communities that did the planning, and then after they've you know after Kansas City won, they still had momentum to move those projects forward just to, just in a different way. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, you can think of Kansas City as the tip of the spear, right? You, know, you heard that expression from uh, the mil- from military jargon, and in Kansas City is the tip of the spear uh, on this. But, you know, the whole point about this is the network effect. So you want to have as many people have one gigabit as quickly as possible. And I know that there – I don't know very much about this, but I know that there is an association of those cities that didn't get the, the first Google Fiber. Really? But now they're saying, okay, we see the opportunity here. What do we do to get this implemented, you know, uh, in, in our town, you know, one gigabit in general? Perhaps, you know, Google's you know, involved. Perhaps they're not. Uh, but what can we do to make that happen as soon as possible? Because we want to have all the benefits of this ourselves. And, you know, we are open to working with those groups because, you know, in our view, it's a more the merrier situation. Mm-hmm. By the way, do you have the name of that association? I, I do not, but I can supply it to you after the interview, and you can put it on the web if you like. Okay. Everyone that's listening should, should check back either uh, to the to the radio show's blog, uh, page or to my blog, Fighting the Next Good Fight, because um, once I have a handle on that, I will definitely be uh, putting that out there on Twitter and, and so forth. Um, one one question I do is sort of an administrative thing, but obviously with this much um, interest and this much money, because it, it's $200,000 in total, but I think what's one the one prize alone is hundred K in what cash and services and so forth. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So um how do you or what do you plan to do to ensure um fairness but also that the most create creative ideas uh come out and, and maybe another part of that is will practicality be weighed as much as creativity? Well, I, I think they're, they both have to be there. I mean, ultimately, this is a business plan competition. So you've got to have some some innovation, but you also have to have a notion of how do you translate that innovation into an economic result. Mm-hmm. And so I think I see those as two sides of a coin. And um, you know, to your question of how do we judge fairly, uh, you know, we are we're trying to pick our judges to be extremely knowledgeable about the space. Um, and, you know, we're, we're making sure that there are no conflicts and, you know, we have a, um, you know, a list of judging criteria that mm-hmm. we're asking them to follow so that they evaluate in certain aspects of the proposal in a fairly systematic way. Um, and, you know, the people we're picking are, are of good quality and good character, so they're going to make the right decision because, you know, they, they, we all have a common interest in, in jump-starting, you know, this next generation of applications. Mm-hmm. Then uh, that sounds pretty. Uh, that sounds pretty good. Then will there be a, a posting at some point of the 
list of judges, or is that going to be a um, I don't know a secret? I don't know how these you know again I don't know how these things typically might work, but will people know who the judges are and or just yeah. maybe the categories of where they you know where they come from? Yeah, the, what we plan to do is once we sort of get a critical mass uh, committed, you know, which we expect is going to be in the next uh, two or three weeks then we'll be making an announcement of, you know, what the initial, uh, you know, judging uh, group looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my expectation is we'll be adding to that up until the last minute, um, you know, because we may have a group of people who judge uh, to pick the finalists, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we need to have a group of folks that, you know, who pick the winners, right? So right. there may be a couple of different cadres of judges as we go along, uh, just because you know we're getting interest from people every day, and you know we are um, we're moving pretty quickly, and so we need to kind of close off the first set of judges uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but there may be more additions after that. Right. Okay. I, I can understand that. Now, you and I spoke earlier, um, and one of the things you mentioned that caught my attention, you know, is that the business plan contest is the 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 tip of the iceberg in other words there are other plans and other visions that you guys see as a you know as part of this that are kind of below the surface and clearly will bubble up in in time but how do you see the what's what's the big picture view of this this isn't really just about a contest and generating ideas it's about moving projects forward am i correct there right we're just you know what what we're Doing, what we're doing with the Gigabit Challenge is trying to take things from the idea stage to the seed stage. Mm-hmm. So we're at, we're the first part of the process of developing a venture, and you know, so the amount of prizes that we're talking about, these guys winning, are sort of seed seed level funding prizes. Mm-hmm. And but you know, what we are going to have to rely on is the ecology that exists out there already for financing early stage ventures. Mm-hmm. So part of what Think Big Partners is going to do is um, work to provide introductions for the finalists and the entrants uh, to venture capital firms, uh, to angel investors, um, to potential partners that might be able to provide some sort of financing. Um, there's a whole community of, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, microfinance or crowdsource finance out there that we're reaching out to. Uh, mm-hmm. that we think can play a role here, um, and, and a number of other things. So, you know, our feeling is that, you know, part part of what we want to, to come out of the competition doing is making sure that, you know, all the finalists and the winners, you know, are plugged into what they need to be plugged into in order to further develop their venture and deploy it on the, the Google Fiber Network there in Kansas City to begin with and then globally eventually. Okay, so basically we're we're talking about facilitating introduction to other uh, resources and other opportunities and and undoubtedly people and all the rest of it that makes up the traditional, uh, I guess what I would say, the traditional technology funding venture process. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, yeah, and we hope to do this ago. not on a local basis, but on a global basis. Right. Um, you know, so some of the people that are getting involved are, you know, nationally known, nationally prominent folks. Some are international players. Uh-huh. Um, so we don't see this as a local thing. We we sort of see this as bringing the world to Kansas City, you know, for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the activity goes on and disperses, you know, across the globe. 
Uh, and also, uh, you know, I guess some of people should, something that people should be aware of is that the event is going to be webcast live, and the event's going to be held on January 18th, by the way. Okay. Uh, we'll be broadcast live from the Kansas City Public Library. No. Uh, and so okay. that will provide an opportunity for anyone around the world to, you know, be present, you know, via the web at this event. So tell me again, the event on the on the 18th is what, like a final demo or like the top three or? Well, we, no, what we're going to do is uh, whatever number of finalists we end up having mm-hmm. uh, will we'll present. You know, they'll give their pitches in front of an audience of uh, judges and venture capitalists and, you know, everyone else in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in real time, you know, the, the, the winners will be voted on. Uh, and there will be other sessions, a luncheon. There will probably be a couple of talks. Uh, you know, we certainly are going to have a, a little bit of an after party, um, and uh, you know, we're going to have a whole program of events that you know really you know bring to the fore, you know what uh, you know what we've been able to do in terms of bringing together ideas for uh, one gigabit fiber, and uh, you know, I think also there will be a little bit of looking to the future and saying, okay, what are the next steps, and trying to get mm-hmm. some clarity around that, and you know, uh, talking with the community about what what the next step would be, and then we'll go from there. And then you know, next day's next day we get to work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I look at uh, all that has been going on with uh, the broadband, uh, the, the uh, Google Gigabit project in Kansas City, and you know, there's the clear line of you know, there's a network coming in, and all the applications and what that can do for the city. So the benefit being the network itself, but it does appear to me as more and more events get scheduled in Kansas City that um, Kansas City is is really getting a major boost of publicity and credibility and cachet as being, you know, the place to be. Uh, is that a fair assessment? Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm um, to tell you, give you just a little bit of background. The reason why I got I live in Silicon Valley. Um, right. San Francisco, actually, but you know, do a lot of work in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. But I have family in Kansas City, and so because I was interested in spending more time with family, I sought out an opportunity there, and that's how I met the Think Big Partners guys. And it was a total coincidence that Google Fiber got uh, you know awarded you know right around that same time, and it was just a real crystallizing event. And um, you know, the Think Big guys asked me to start working with them. We came up with this idea of the gigabit challenge in the wake of the announcement from Google, and we were off to the races. And what, I, what I've discovered, I was completely ignorant of all of this until um, the last few months, is that Kansas City has become a center of technology. I mean, it's the home of uh, Sprint and CenturyLink, you know, CenturyLink uh-huh, being the number right. three you know, telecom company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sprint, the number three wireless carrier. It's the home of Garmin, one of the leading GPS companies. Uh, it's the home of Cerner, which is the largest medical software company, and and the list goes on. I could you know run down a really long list with you, but you know uh, it, it turns out that it is one of the uh, uh, Wired called it a, an emerging center of or epicenter of technology, and, it, and Kansas City was identified as the emerging epicenter of IT technology. Um, another study um, showed that uh, it has one of the highest numbers of Android apps uh, being developed per square mile wow. of any city in North America or in the world. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a small city, but the density is high. Uh, you know, the metro area, I want to say small city, you know, metro area, I think, is about a couple million people. Uh, so, you know, I guess we would call that a medium-sized city. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's very, it's a lean and mean place when it comes to information technology. That is pretty, that's pretty amazing. You know, I was in uh, Kansas City, oh, about a month, two months ago, um, sort of part of my broadband, sort of on-site, uh, checking out what's going on. And it, it's kind of interesting that, you know, these places that didn't have a lot of, uh, sort of that uh, visibility of Silicon Valley. There's really a lot going on, and probably in a lot of places similar to Kansas City. You know, they they have small but very active technology development. Uh, there's there's an association of software and technology companies in Kansas City. You know, you've got the the chambers of commerce that are focused on you know the technology aspect of it, and then here comes Google. You know, and so it's it's an interesting uh, that there are these these places that we are probably overlooking that have a lot to offer the technology world we need to start paying attention to you know these smaller out of the you know not in the mainstream media kinds of places well yeah i mean this is just the natural progression of the whole you know infotech sphere if i can use a butchered word uh the development of the infotech sphere mhm you know, and you know, you know, years ago when I first started out, there were there were really only two places. It was called Silicon Valley and Boston, right? Uh-huh. And and everything else was second tier. And now, you know, over the years, Silicon Valley has become the undisputed global hotspot. And I frankly don't think that's ever going to change anytime soon. It's always going to be the case. It is Mecca. One must always go to Mecca. <laughs> and uh, so, but what needs to happen in this whole ecology is we need to think of this more as a network model. And we've got a really high-speed network that's going to be in place all across the country that will facilitate you know, much easier collaboration across distance. And there are a lot of advantages, uh, you know, for people in Kansas City. For a high-tech company, one, costs are lower by a long way. Right. Like the, the talent is absolutely available. There's plenty of it. And as you mentioned, Kansas City is becoming a collecting point for that whole region in terms of the talent. And, you know, what, what's happened in the downtown in Kansas City is completely remarkable. There was a documentary done on it called The Next American Dream, which was about the reurbanization of America. And they used Kansas City as a success story of how you could take a rundown, um, you know, central downtown, urban core, that no one wanted to go to, uh, and and literally in less than 10 years transform it into a hotspot, transform it into a hip place where young people want to live and where there's a vibrant culture and, uh, you know, vibrant arts community um, and, a, and a number of other things that, you know, make it a high quality of uh, life place to live, and it's been this remarkable transition. Uh, so, um, you know, they, they've demonstrated that. You know, they're an example of that. Um, you know, this, this Google Fiber is sort of like, you know, the cherry on top of the cake kind of, mm-hmm. but one that's really important because it puts them uh, right in, ahead of the pack. Like I said, it makes them the tip of the spear uh, for a, a period of time here. And you know, I can tell you that the community in Kansas City is going to be taking advantage of this because they're 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 all banding together and cooperating in a really, in a way that you know I think will be an example for other cities uh, 
and uh, you know, all I, can, I think that they're going to be very successful. Right now, I know that, for example, last week they had a group of about 64 stakeholders. I mean, people from various uh, key parts of the of the city, you know, different industries and so forth, came together for an all-day brainstorming session, and it was broadcast live on the web. I mean, it was just it, to me that's an impressive step forward when you can generate the excitement and then bring a bunch of people together to literally spend a whole day and these are, you know, busy executive type folks and, and so forth, to brainstorm ideas, you know, just how are we gonna get this thing moving? And, you know, I think that speaks well for uh for Kansas City and for the nature of the project. And uh, that's, Yeah, I mean you know, the key thing here is, you know, to get some resonance happening. Mhm. And, you know, when a community can come together on a brainstorming level and then translate that into, you know, action that matters, which, you know, that's the process that, they're, that we and they are in right now, mm-hmm. um, you can create an amazing result. And the, they, as a city, have already demonstrated that in, ter- in the context of urban redevelopment. Mm-hmm. They're already over the hump on that, in my opinion. You know, they're, they're, they're past critical mass on getting that done. And um, that took all the same, you know, collaboration um, and farsightedness uh, that it's going to take to, you know, really make something spectacular happen on top of this first-in-the-nation Google Fiber. And, you know, that's that's what we're trying to help with. Mm-hmm. Now, without giving away any of the goodies that will probably that'll, that'll be coming out of the challenge itself, what types of applications do you see coming out of this contest, you know, categories well, of... <clears throat> Well, it's um, you know, it's it's hard to say. There are a million ideas, you know, swimming around out there. I, I'm, you know, and 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 I have no idea. You know, we're seeing some really interesting entries. Uh, but just to give you a, a notion, you know, some you know some of the general areas, you, know, you got to think about it, it. That obviously, it's got to be something where you know the the high bandwidth is critical to enabling some new type of capability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and along with high bandwidth goes anything you know that would be c- considered sort of big data, and so which is you know a buzzword in the venture capital community right now. Uh-huh. Um, the, the you know so just kind of think about it you know as an as a you know, the everyday person would think about it, anything that takes up a lot of bandwidth. So that would immediately translate into things like video. So video intensive applications. Um, things that um, use simulation, so that would be anything in the gaming environment, uh, but also um, we just announced uh, our first platform partner, and platform partners are companies that have development tools that they're going to make uh, available to our finalists on a preferred basis. Uh, ScreenPoint has agreed to allow developers to use their platform for a year at no charge. Um, in order to build applications. And their platform is built on a gaming engine, but what it's about is managing the smart city of the future. And so that means you've got a visual environment that allows you to fly around the city or walk around the city, but plugged into that is every data source that exists. So everything that has to do with traffic, everything that has to do with all of the infrastructure of the buildings and what's going on there, everything that has to do with the electrical grid, the lighting grid, the traffic grid, and all of that can be incorporated into this, and you essentially have a virtual model of the city that looks like a video game. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, people can access the information that's embedded in that for a whole variety of applications. So they have this platform. They're looking for third-party developers to build next-generation apps on that platform, and the range of things that they could do is infinite, essentially. So that's something, I think, is where there's a big opportunity. Um, telemedicine is an obvious one, uh, you know, particularly you know, when you have the, the problem of the cost of health care and also the problem of delivering healthcare in rural areas, um, you know, if you had a high bandwidth to the home and, you know, the right type of, uh, you know, sensors and monitors on the home side, which are getting more and more inexpensive, then you essentially could serve populations, um, you know, that you couldn't, that couldn't be served without that telepresence, that telemedicine telepresence. And, you know, I can imagine in the future, you know, there's, there's new generations of uh, ultrasound technology that are coming down the pike where you could, could uh, conceivably have something on the order of an ultrasound in your home uh, that's very, very sophisticated, much more sophisticated than what's available today, mm-hmm. where you could, you know, wand yourself and have that data go, you know, back to a doctor to actually take a look at, you know, what he would typically see on an ultrasound, but, you know, m- you know much more higher quality in the future. So that's, that's just one idea, just off the top of the head. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned big data. Um, it's also, when you think big data, you have to think the cloud. Right. And the way I look, about, look at uh, the, this whole um, uh, high, ultra-high band with uh, ultra-high speed broadband um, is it's a really big pipe into the cloud. And so if you think about any of the cloud applications that are out there, um, if you need you know, a two-way pipe that's high bandwidth in order to accomplish serving up some of that big data that's in the cloud, um, you know, this would be the right type of platform for that type of thing. And you know, when you think of ScreenPoint, you know, this is another idea that's been out there, which is, you know, comes out of you know, the whole cyberpunk era the whole notion of the metaverse, but if you try to get that down to you know, sort of a practical definition, it's the merging of the virtual and the physical world, which is very much what ScreenPoint is doing. So ScreenPoint, you know, they would never say this to their customers because you know they're, you know, they talk about you know, you know, they talk to cities and uh, major construction companies and what have you about creating a smart city of the future. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's really sort of you know the first real inkling of the metaverse because you are combining the data that comes out of the physical world through this massive network of sensors and other databases that are being kept um, and pulling that all together into a virtual environment. And um, this also is very much in alignment with this whole notion of the Internet of Things. Right, right. Which the idea is every device has an IP address, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's all live and it all communicates with one another. Um, So, you know, you can imagine how many sensors in how many places, doing how many things uh, you can accommodate on a one gigabit fiber network. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, know I'm, I know I'm talking at a very abstract level. You know, I'll, I'll get even more abstract, you know, which is there's <laughs> this, this thing called the semantic web, you know. Right. Uh, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's very early on, you know, controversial in some corners, but, you know, it's essentially trying to make an intelligent next-generation Web, you know, so you know each address you know is, embodies you know complex data structures and is you know a complex object rather than just an address. Uh, so so those types of things I think can be enabled. So 
I could go on and on, you know, but that just paints a little bit of a picture of, you know, some, some specific applications, but also some just general domains that, you know, that we're hoping we'll see some, uh, some plans in. Mm -hmm. So let's bring it from the uh, 30,000 foot view down to something a little more concrete in a general sense. How does a project team or a community <clears throat> take advantage of the many ideas that people have? Like how do you, uh, usher the process, or how how would you recommend they go about ushering the process from ideas moving to real applications? Well, uh, you know, I think I mean I'm going to have to put my gigabit challenge hat on and say, you know, come up with a three to five page executive summary. You can find mm -hmm. guidelines for that on the gigabit challenge website, and that's step one. Just get your idea down on down on paper or down in an electronic document you know, in some succinct way. And then you go from there in terms of fleshing out the idea, fleshing out the plan. Uh, you know, we're, we're in this era of, you know, the capital-efficient uh, Internet startup. You know, the whole notion that because of all the very powerful tools, uh, including open-source tools that, that the Web 2.0 era gave us, that one can put together an application, you know, fairly inexpensively. So, you know, we would hope that some people would just go to work and start building stuff, start building a prototype. <laughs> You know, uh, you know the old Steve Jobs thing was demo or die, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, start building the, that prototype if you can. Um, if you need a little bit more resources, uh, you know, then you know the contest is designed to kind of coalesce those together. But then, you know, also on on your own, you know, once you've got you know a plan, an idea, start talking to angels. You know, and and you, you need to have some mentors if you haven't gone through this process before. You know, reach out to folks like Think Big Partners, you know, other incubators, other business mentors, other successful entrepreneurs that you might have in your area, and, you know, tell them your idea, get feedback, and, you know, go through the, the iterative process of develop, developing your venture. Um, you know, the most important thing is just to get in there and start shoveling. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, once you start doing that and, you know, making it a, you know, a, a proactive project, you know, it will, you know, become pretty clear, you know, what your next steps need to be. Uh, and, and, you know, if you need some help, you know, there, like I said, there are people like, uh, you know, the incubators around the country, think big partners being one of them, you know, that are, that are there to help with that process. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, no, that, that, that's what I was looking for is, is you know, again, some idea, because a lot of the people that listen to the show, a lot of the people that are involved with broadband, projects some have not been involved in technology before you know just by the nature of how these projects have doubled up uh, even the people that have gotten stimulus funding i mean a lot of them you know moved quickly to respond to an application but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are fully engaged with how the tech world typically works and so this issue of uh you have ideas for example in chattanooga so when chattanooga uh built out just the the fiber I'm sorry, the, the the mesh network that rides on top of their fiber network that they use um, primarily for government mobile workers, several hundred ideas came up. And then it was a question, well, how do we, how do we prioritize this? How do we figure out, you know, which ones are good and which ones are bad before we sink any money into it? And so they were overwhelmed with ideas, but they hadn't really mm -hmm. understood, you know, sort of the tech development process and so you know your 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 con you know you talk about creating that five page you know summary and then fleshing out the I mean these these are things I think people need to do they need to know how this all works 
And I think another thing they need to know about, which is my next question, is, you know, what are some sources of funding and how, in gen- again, in general terms, do you reach out to and capitalize on those opportunities? Well, I mean, we have this wonderful thing called the web, right? Uh, there is that. And the Internet. And so what I would encourage someone to do, first of all, go to the Gigabit Challenge website <laughs> and see what we say there about you know, what needs to be in an executive summary, and you can, you can start there. But if you were to go and Google executive summary, uh, I shouldn't say Google, but you know, if you were to enter into the search engine executive summary, uh, and, you, know, you would find a number of templates for that type of thing, you know, all of which I think are pretty much functionally equivalent. Um, you know, one of the best sites in the world. I, I hope they don't mind me throwing this out there. Is Garage.com? I found. Oh, yeah, I've heard of them. Guy Kawasaki and Bill Reichert's organization. Uh, incredibly good guidelines for pitches, uh, for executive summaries, for interacting with venture capitalists, and you know, ones where he's really telling you the tr- the unvarnished truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's one of the best ones I found out there. It's Garage.com. Uh, and, and just by reading that, you'd know what you need to have in an exec sum and an investor presentation and all that, and, and that's what you need to do. Um, because going through the process of developing just those simple documents, I'm not even talking about even going all the way to a business plan quite yet, mm-hmm. but just doing those two simple documents will will put you through a thought process that will allow you to sort of identify where your holes are, identify you know you know where you need to find some more information, uh, flesh out your idea, really quantify the market, you know, and do all the things you really need to do to, to present a, a decent business idea. Um, you know, and then once you're once you're confident you're pointing in the same direction, you know, then it may make sense to go to a, a more fleshed out business plan. But you know, uh, bi- you know, full on business plans that are all pretty and bound and whatnot are have sort of fallen out of favor. The, the, the interesting, the most important thing is not really the presentation. The most important thing is uh, of the business plan itself, the most important thing is how solid is the idea, how well do you know the market, you know, h- how much have you been able to get done on a bootstrap basis, uh, and, and, a, and a few other factors, which is what investors are, you know, really going to be looking for. Yeah, you know, it's nice for it to look good, but you know, the substance is far more important than the for the presentation. Okay. So now, in addition to figuring out which avenues to pursue for funding. Aren't there a couple of other areas as well that people need to pursue in order to bring that idea to life? Well, you mean in terms of funding? I mean, well, there's, no, no, no. I think there's about traditionally like, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead. for for very early stage idea ventures. You know, traditionally it's the whole angel community. Mm-hmm. And if you go to uh, there's a professional association for angels called uh, Angel Capital Association. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the URL off the top of my head, but if you Google, if you Google slash put into a search engine, um, <laughs> Angel Capital Association, you'll find it. Um, and they have a number of members, and they have their member list there. And you know, those company, those uh, um, angel organizations generally generally will take submissions online. So you can go and find out, you know, what groups are in your geography, you know, and you can you know submit your exec sum, investor presentation, business plan, whatever they ask for. Um, and uh, you know, they, hopefully, you will you know be selected as one of the uh, organizations that they want to hear a pitch from. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the other way to get to angels is just personal networking, and I can't I can't uh, emphasize more uh, the value of this. But even if you don't think you know an angel investor, you do know someone who knows an angel investor, or maybe you might be two hops away. And so it's just this uh, very grassroots effort of thinking who in your personal network either might be an investor or might know folks that are investors, and then ask for introductions. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how a lot of people, I would say probably most people, end up getting investment is by, you know, going through their personal network. Um, and then there's another thing that's, you know, have developed, you know, through social media, the social media area. And this is what some people call microfunders. And uh, so this is, uh, these are groups like uh, App Backer, um, uh, what, what else are they called? Kickstarter, um, uh, Peer, Peer Backer. I'm not going to get all of these right, and I'm missing one major one. I'll try to find it here while we're talking. But these are essentially websites where you can put your idea up on the website and then people, uh, you know, contribute dollars to that idea in various ways. They all have different rules and, uh, you know, processes. But, you know, this is a way to to raise a tiny amount of money. I wouldn't, you know, Mm -hmm. think that you'd be able to raise a lot, but, you know, it might be enough to, you know, to impart some momentum to what you're doing. So, so are you describing basically a process? It's like like crowdsourcing, um, fundraising. Yeah, exactly. I should have said that. Yeah. So in the three, yeah, here's the the three I'm aware of is our Kickstarter, Pro Founder, and Peer Backers, and then in addition to that, there's one that's just that's very app oriented and has um, a, a little bit more creative of a, a structure, and it's called App Backer, and that's A P P B A C K R. The other ones are spelled the way that they sound. Kickstarter, Kickstarter Pro Founder, and Peer Backers. Peer Backers, interesting. And I think this, you know, this is probably going to merit a uh, a blog post just by itself because uh, this is my first time hearing about the the idea. And it sounds excellent. I mean, it's pretty. Cool. Well, we can get all these links up there if you like. Mm-hmm. Great, excellent. Um, whew, wow, we're just moving along here. Um, let's talk about uh, just for a minute. Uh, new topic. Uh, what's the state of the venture capital industry? I mean, uh, what are you seeing in terms of investment activity? Is it down? Is it, is it seeing new life? I hear and read different things about the state of VCs these days. Well, yeah, it's sort of moving sideways. Um, <laughs> the uh, you know what's happening is what what I've heard some guys uh, describe as a double barbell. And the barbell is um, there are very, very large funds. Let's call them the top 10, maybe very generously, the top 25 funds out there that can raise money no problem, and they're raising ever larger funds. Mm -hmm. And then there's been, over the last few years, a lot of micro funds that have gone out there. They're looking to do stuff very early stage and very small amounts of money. So that's two ends of one barbell. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, the other, um, uh, the other thing that has happened over the last two years, and I'm not going to get these figures right, but the magnitudes are right, but I recall someone telling me that, uh, who is very knowledgeable about this and tracked it all the time, that the venture capital community went from 17,000 partners down to 9,000 partners, 
<laughs> and that essentially the number of venture capital firms that are you know, going to be able to raise another round and continue on is about half. So basically it's a business where half of the community is going away or has mm-hmm. gone away already. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a you know, but and and the guys that are left, you know, most of them are doing a lot of bigger later stage deals, and um, you know, but but there is a little bit of light a, a, out there because you know because because there is a vacuum that was created at the early stage. Both angels and micro funds have uh, and new types of incubators, you know, like Y Combinator. Mm-hmm. Have stepped in there and and filled that early stage capital need, uh, but where you know there's a lot of difficulty is you know when you get to the middle rounds you know let's say the A B round, you know that's that's where people are finding it very hard to raise money because the requirements for getting a full on A round are pretty pretty high now, uh, and you know a lot of these funds are really putting the bulk of their assets in the later rounds you know the C's D's some B's, B rounds, um, and you know it's creating a little, you know, a little bit of uh, an imbalance. But uh, you know, I think the, the the response to that has been, you know, people have just gotten more creative about how they raise money, how they get their uh, deals done, and you know, also um, it has put a real focus on this whole notion of capital efficiency. And you know, rather than you know, the old Silicon Valley model was, you know, throw in a ton of cash up front. So that you can get big quick and dominate the market, and it's really, really critical to do that. But you know what typically would happen is you get a big, you know, expense burn going, and then if you if you were wrong about the timing on your business or ran into some trouble, uh, you'd run out of cash and you'd go out of business. And the venture capital model allowed for that, and they they didn't care if 80% of them failed as long as they had a couple of good hits, uh, you know, out of 10. Uh, that that made their model work. Mm-hmm. But you know this other capital efficient model is quite different because it basically says let's run this like a real business, where the idea is to make money as quickly as possible, and it doesn't matter if you make a little money to begin with, as long as you do it and you can demonstrate that your model's working and then scale it. It's much better to be you know to um, start with a modest amount of capital, you know do small tests you know till you get get the model right. And then, you know, once you're sure that it's working, then you then you scale, and you know it's even better, you know, if you scale on a profitable basis. And you know, given on these web-based based businesses and consumer-facing businesses, um, you know, it it is possible to you know to scale profitably. You know, and Groupon's a great example of that. You know. Mm-hmm. You know oh yeah, right, you, right. You could be on either side of, you know, is Groupon going to survive? And I, I totally agree with, you know, that that debate. But, um, you know, they, they were able to have a model that was was a fabulous cash flow model. Same with Zynga is another great example of that, where you know they they put a model together where they could scale profitably, and if not profitably, scale rapidly, you know, right. to get profitable at some reasonable point in the future. But there's also for every Groupon or Zynga out there, there's a thousand guys, you know, that have a website that might be right now turning a few tens of thousands or a few hundreds of thousands in revenue, but is doing it profitably and can scale profitably. And those are the guys that end up getting, you know, bought by the big guys. So, right. uh, you know, that that's a diff- that's a little bit of a different model from the traditional Silicon Valley uh, venture model. Right, which sounds like it's basically along the lines of 
better that you're making ten dollars a month than burning through a million dollars a month. Well, yeah, and I mean, and, 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 you know, and VCs and VCs don't necessarily like that because they need you to they need you they need you to need a lot of money for it to make sense for them. Yeah, right. If you exactly. go to them and say, "I only ever want to raise five hundred thousand dollars," and then I, you know, want to you know live on the profits, even if they're huge, they're not going to be interesting because you know their economic model just requires that they deploy a lot more capital than five hundred k. But for a group of angels, that's a that's a great number, right? And they could get a great return, you know, they, if they don't get diluted out, you know, by subsequent rounds of financing, and you know, also the entrepreneur ends up owning a bigger chunk of the company at the end, uh, you know, and ultimately has more control over what he's doing. So, right. um, you know, that's a perfectly viable model that is not the traditional Silicon Valley VC model, right? But it may better reflect the the, the age in which we live. And, well, uh, I think it does actually. I mean, there are going to be a few Facebooks, there are going to be a few Apples, there are going to be a few, you know, Groupons, mm-hmm. but only a few, right? And you know, the whole uh, game there is consolidation and scale, right? But you know, it's a big ecology, and there's a lot that goes on in the ecology, and there's lots of niches people can play in, and then there's lots of niches where you can make a lot of money. <laughs> right now, I would yeah. imagine that from an angel perspective. Because their economics is very different, their investment is very different. I mean, half these guys, what are just are, are hobbyists. I mean, they've they've made it big, and they're doing this as much for fun <clears throat> as for profit. And so, I could see maybe their mindset being more amenable to, well, we'll only put in half a million. The company may make ten million a year, and that company will continue to go on for. It may never get bought, you know. Right. But it's a very different dynamic. Yeah, Which brings and, me and to, typically. Go ahead. I was going to say, which brings me to um, uh, an interesting broadband situation, which is <clears throat> the government's put out a lot of money for middle mile networks uh, all across the U.S. The issue that to me is there that hasn't been addressed uh, uh, adequately is I put this middle mile network in, someone still has to build a last mile network to connect the actual cities, the neighborhoods, and so forth. And the same arguments from incumbents that, well, we don't want to put the money in because there's no big payoff for us, I think is still going to present a problem. So would it make sense for um, smaller community-slash-public-private partnerships, last mile projects, to go to an angel investor and say, look, you know, we can build this build this kind of a business with this level of um, you know dollar and cent payoff, uh, and it'll be ongoing because people are going to always need this, and and have some angel investors maybe take a serious look at that. Well, that's an interesting idea. Um, I I can see one issue with it right up front that's going to be a problem, and that's just the magnitude of capital that's going to be required. Mm-hmm. But if you could do some successful, you know, fairly high-level crowdsourcing thing, you know, in the community and say, guys, you know, you can invest, you know, X amount of dollars, you know, in this last mile, we're going to be able to uh, provide a service that's going to be a recurring revenue service, uh, you know, just like your cable television, your internet service uh, is today. You know, I, I could see that potentially could be a viable model, but. Uh, you know, I just don't know if the magnitudes of capital necessary is going to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I don't. Uh, I, I'm sure there are some scenarios where something creative could be done, uh, 
But, I mean, I look at Google Fiber, and, and that's sort of the more traditional way. You've got a company like Google that has massive resources who can make the last-mile investment. And in the case of... Um, in the case of the Google Fiber situation, they're working with the local utility, KCP&L, mm-hmm. because you know that's one of the, the the other utility, you know, or one of the one of the other utilities that goes to everyone's home. Right. And so, and I I know none of the details of that of that arrangement, but you know, for me, that would be a more typical way for this to happen is for okay. you know one of the large innovators like a Google, to get together with one of the large infrastructure players in the region, like a KPNL, and that is sort of like a private-public partnership. You know, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. in some cases the, the utilities are going to be shareholder-owned, but they're going to be heavily regulated, so they're sort of right. quasi-public, mm-hmm. uh, if not outright public in a lot of places, and then you've got a private company like a Google. So I think we need to get that competition going. You know? Right. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of creative ways. I mean, for example, in Keene, New York, the community there, in essence, came together and had a bake sale. I'm I'm being facetious a little, but they basically raised money to fund the incumbent, well, the small local provider that wanted to build out fiber, but they couldn't afford to. And uh-huh. the community wanted fiber and didn't want to wait for any, you know, for ten years for someone else to bring it. So they said, "Well, we as a community will raise the money. We'll invest it in this provider that will then allow them to bring the network, and then we will all benefit as a result of that." Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's basically local investment. And, then, and well, I mean, the, so combine combine that model with crowdsourcing and social media, and you know, you've got a way to maybe get the whole community to to invest in the community, which would be, mm-hmm. you know. Perfect. Because in some respects, I think that mirrors what a cooperative is. I mean, a lot of rural areas use the cooperative model, you know, a group of businesses or a group of uh, organizations came together. You know, it might even include the government as sort of part of the co-op, but then they collectively own the the asset that they were building, and they funded it uh, and, and moved the project forward, and co-ops now are starting to look at moving from the electrical world where they started or the telephone world where they started and saying, well, let's do co-ops to move broadband projects forward. Uh, it sounds like a great model to me. Uh, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of promise there, and, you know, the, people certainly should have a self-interest in this. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that's something we'll definitely uh, talk more about uh, as as time goes on, I know there's one of the one of the guests in the uh, chat room is from the UK, and he's describing uh, a co-op type model where they're basically are banding together as a community to um, to find and raise the money to get uh, well. He likes to refer to it as the first mile project, but you know we're basically talking about that piece that connects to the middle mile, which I think makes a lot of sense. And you know we'll 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 see how it all plays out. Now, in terms of going getting back to applications, okay, to run on these networks, is there any particular category of technology or technology application that is particularly popular with VCs and or angel groups? Um that's a question I don't know the answer to. I mean, like I said, I know there big data is a buzzword, you know, uh, among some areas web 3.0 um, you know, anything that's cloud-oriented is big. 
Um, uh, you know, I, telemedicine, I, I think, is something where, you know, maybe it hasn't got as much traction as it will in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this whole smart cities area, you know, uh, kind of going over into the clean tech area, you know, anything that has to do with using software to manage, you know, a, a network, uh, a power network, uh, you know, the whole notion of the smart grid, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, is also something that is essentially going to be yet another network, you know, in its next next uh, incarnation. Uh, those are some of the buzzwords, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't have, you know, a direct pulse on, you know, what's the, what's the flavor of the quarter uh, in that community at, the, at this <laughs> point in time. Right, right. Um, are angel groups... Uh, you know, we we've sort of talked about this in a couple of different from a couple of different angles, but are angel investors um, an easy kind of community to create? Like, if you're uh, when you say to create an angel an angel group, like in other words, go out and an find a bunch of group? people who could become angel investors and be part of a network. And the reason I say this, I just read an article earlier today about. Um, building an entrepreneurial environment in rural communities because there's a you know we have Silicon Valley and Silicon Alley in New York, right? But we don't necessarily talk about rural communities as you know the centers of technology. So the the gist of the blog post was could we not create an entrepreneurial environment that is you know within the rural community? And my thought would be if you're going to go that route. Figuring out a way to create a network of angel investors would be a logical part of that process. Well, yeah, two, the two two ideas there. One is, you know, I mentioned the Angel Capital Association and all the angel networks that already exist. So I, you know, I encourage people to to go there as a first stop uh, because there are already angel networks in various communities. Um, another effort that seems to me to be responding. Uh, to what this person's talking about uh, is something that Think Big Partners again is involved in. They're the Kansas City chapter of a thing called the Angel Capital Group. An Angel Capital Group is an organization that's got, you know, covers about five or six cities uh, that are in the, the center to southeastern part of the country, including Kansas City, Nashville, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, and, and some others. Uh, but they they create a network across a region in smaller cities that don't you know have as robust uh, an angel community or at least one that's not organized. They, they typically there is a robust community, it's just not an organized one. Mm-hmm. So they'll go into places that really don't have an organized community and sort of organize that community, but then plug them into a network of other communities. So again, via this network effect of being connected to a lot of other geographies. Then they get, they have the ability to source deals from that whole set of geographies, but and then also present them to a much larger set of angels. So those types of things are happening out there too. I, I expect that there will be more and more of that as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, and an angel capital group, which is based out of Nashville, uh, is, uh, is is an example of one of those. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, we're just about out of time. I want to um, thank you, Scott, because this has been extremely informative, and I hope all of our listeners, you know, if not, you know, you folks that are listening, you know, people that you know, really get on this whole gigabit challenge thing. I think there's a lot of great stuff that's going to flow out from that, and not just for Kansas City, but for places all over uh, the globe. Uh, So, again, thank you for, for being a guest today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me.
Okay, and I also want to thank our media sponsors, our media partners, excuse me, uh, GigaOM, Broadband Communities Magazine, MuniWireless.com, and Community Broadband Networks. Everyone have a great day. Go forth and do something good for broadband. I thank you, and we'll talk again soon.